0: blessings and greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. Indeed, again, a blessing to be in the house of the Lord and um, receive the challenges that we've already received. Indeed, it is a challenge to live in the Spirit and uh, do not walk after the things of the flesh. Satan is out to Uh, appear things uh, fleshly as spiritual, and spiritual things as fleshly. He wants to confuse God's people. And uh, may we be wise. May we be in touch with the Lord Jesus and understand the difference and observe the fruit of life. Now come with me to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to be taking my text from verse 1 through 31. <clears throat> There's a number of subjects in this passage, but it all seems to kind of flow together. And so I believe uh, we'll try, by the grace of God, to cover these uh, various subjects. <clears throat> we have verses 1 through 12, on divorce and remarriage. Have verses 13 through 16, the blessing of little children. And verse 17 through 22, the rich young ruler. And 23 through 27, teaching about riches. And 28 through 31, following Jesus. And so if you're there at Mark chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And he arose from thence and came into the coasts of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resorted to him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the same house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. And they brought a young children and they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked them, and his uh, rebuked those that brought them. And kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come. Take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. For he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and saith unto the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Jesus is about being busy and um, on his journeys and on his way back to Jerusalem. Verse one, he says, and he arose from thence. Where did he arise from? I want to take us back to verse thirty-five. As there it says, he sat down. Why did he sat down? What did he sit down? Well, Jesus sat down in the house. Remember, they were in the house. Uh, uh, verse thirty-three. They came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, "What were you fussing about on the way?" And they were ashamed to tell Jesus or to expose it. Because they had been fussing about who was the greatest. And Jesus sat down and taught them about servanthood. Taught them about self-sacrifice. And he mentions his his own uh, upcoming death. And uh, the trial that he was to face. And all this while he was sitting. He was sitting teaching the disciples. He was telling them later on in verses forty-three and 42 and following uh, about, about how to deal with temptation. He taught them. And he was sitting as he was teaching the disciples. Then in chapter 10, verse 1, he arose from thence. And he travels, cometh to the coast of Judea by the farther side of the Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. I don't know about the crowds I don't there are times there are times when I don't mind crowds as much as other times but there are some times when I'm just ready to get away from people <clears throat> now it's not that I don't like people it's not that I despise crowds but there's a weightiness with crowds and there's responsibility with crowds and so there's Uh, there's a number of times I feel much, much more comfortable on a personal basis, one-to-one, than in a crowd. In fact, I have felt the loneliest in my life in the largest crowds. I'm not sure how Jesus felt. Jesus really didn't, oh, how can I say, um, a um, get involved with his feelings. Jesus' goal was to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was to teach the people. And so Jesus' life was consisted of teaching and uh, was, of course, with people. And, and um, you know, I don't know Jesus' natural makeup necessarily, whether he loved crowds or whether he was a, a more of a loner type. But either the case, Jesus was not disturbed by his own personal um, uh, makeup, but, but he did the will of the Father. And so sometimes, I believe that's exactly one of the things that Gary was talking about. Some of the times, some of the, the, the things, the greatest fears that we have, whether it's public speaking in front of crowds and so forth, we have to overcome that in order to do the will of God. And uh, sometimes it's better than at other times. That is true. but Jesus nonetheless did what he was asked to do and what his father's will was and we as of his people as his disciples must do the same we must do that now the Pharisees come to him he was teaching the people doesn't give us a record of what he was teaching them but the Pharisees come to him that's not far from Jerusalem Um, but they come to him tempting him they ask him the question Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? How many a person wants to take this passage of Scripture and wants to nail down this subject of divorce or remarriage? And that's, that's right and good. That's okay to do that. But there's a reason that the Pharisees came to Jesus tempting him with this specific question. Why is that? <clears throat> Not so long ago, not so long ago, in our previous study here, and not so many chapters ago, the, the disciples of John came to Jesus and said, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? We want to know. <clears throat> Jesus gives them an answer. They're satisfied with that. Just previous to that, why did the disciples of John come to Jesus? Because their rabbi, John the Baptist, was slain, was beheaded. Why was John the Baptist beheaded? Because he had, he had told Herod that for Herod to have his brother Philip's wife is sin. And it cost him his head. <clears throat> Things were boiling up. Jesus was on his way from Capernaum back to Jerusalem. Jesus, this is his last year of ministry. He is winding down to the time when he comes to Jerusalem. Jesus knows he's already talked to the disciples twice about his death. We're going to get to that, Lord willing, the next time in more explicit terms of of Jesus explaining his death to the disciples. And so Jesus talks to his disciples three times about his death. Jesus is fully aware of what's happening and the time is narrowing down for Jesus uh, and, and, and he's coming from Capernaum to Jerusalem to finish off the last week and he's taking his time because that's the father's will. The Pharisees at the same time are boistering and boiling about this Jesus that's making such a ruckus in our religion. There has to be a way for us to get rid of this Jesus. They had already previously tried to stone him and he vanished from their sight. They had numerous of times tried to catch him in his words. So that they could justifiably get rid of him. The idea here is, if we can catch Jesus some way, maybe somebody else will take care of Jesus. So we don't have to. Maybe we can save our face And save our religion. And save our position. That was the Pharisees' intent and goal. And so when they come to Jesus with the question... Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? We want to remember that it wasn't so much the fact of what Jesus was going to answer them. Wasn't so much the fact that they wanted to know. In fact, they didn't want to know. They could really care less how Jesus felt about that. But if they could trap him, they could get him. And so... If Jesus agreed with them that it's okay, it's lawful for a man to put away his wife, then then they could catch him and snare him in his controversy. But if he disagreed with them, then it put Jesus in the same category as John the Baptist. And remember, Herod was still alive. Yes, Jesus was before Herod in his his trial. This same Herod that that had John the Baptist's head taken off was the same one that Jesus faced not so long after this. Do we see the larger picture? The Pharisees were concerned about getting rid of Jesus, bottom line, period. My suspicion is that the Pharisees very well knew where Jesus stood on this. But if they could somehow create an odds, again the same it was with John the Baptist and Herod, with Jesus and Herod, a good possibility we can lay low, lay back in the surface, lay back behind under the surface, and, and, and Herod will take care of Jesus for us. Makes a lot of political sense, doesn't it? <clears throat> well, Jesus gives it right to him. Uh, when they bring that question to him, and now let's let's just let's just leave that and take what Jesus taught us to be the Bible. Now, now um, I trust that we're settled in this fact. Uh, we don't need a lot of teaching on it. However, I'm fully aware of the fact that we have young ones coming on. We have new ones coming in. We have an infiltration. And if we, don't, if we do not teach a subject, it's just a matter of time before we have people believing otherwise. And so we want to be faithful in that. Jesus here says, what did Moses command you? Now, some of the other Gospels say that they came to Jesus and they suggested what Moses said. So, I don't know. I, uh, uh, many seem to think that Mark and Luke have it more correctly than Matthew does. Um, uh, that Be that as it may. But it's the same subject here. And it's kind of like this sermon. Even this very sermon that I'm preaching to you. Some of you are taking notes and it'd be interesting to see your notes because some of you will highlight some things that I say and others will highlight other things that I say. And does it mean that I'm in controversy with myself? No, but a lot of times the Spirit uses the words and ministers to your need in various ways. That's the wonder and the power of the Spirit. It's a wonderful experience. Now, <clears throat> What did Moses command you? Jesus asked them, and he, they said, Well, Moses said we can give him a writing of divorcement. And Jesus said, For the hardness of your heart, He wrote you this precept. It's because of sin. It's because of sin that divorce was allowed. It's because of hardness of hearts. It's because of the, 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 uh, the, the selfishness of man that divorce was allowed. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female specifically. If God had, had designed divorce, if, he had, if, if God had uh, uh, intended that, that marriage was not for life, he would have configured some other human beings. But God made male and female and expected them to stay together. And he says, for this cause, man, shall a man leave father and mother? He pulls away from that. He's no more, no longer part of his home where he is. And he, t- he leaves father and mother. He leaves that home and he joins himself to his wife. For this cause, shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife? And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. And what therefore? What therefore? Because that they are one flesh, they're not part of the, the wife's family, they're not part of the husband's family, they're a family of their own. they're a unit themselves. Now, I reflect back on Brother Lyle's teaching Sunday evening a week ago. <clears throat> Remember, gave us a clear teaching on that. I appreciate that. It's very clear. And uh, what, therefore then, because that this is now a one unit, God has put together, let not man put asunder. Only God can separate that union by death. Only God. And man does not separate that. We must love our wives. Now the teaching teaching is very clear in Ephesians chapter 5. And so we must remember, as the Apostle gives us the teaching there of husband and wife in relation to to Christ and the church. Can you imagine? How does God feel? How does Jesus feel when his wife leaves him? When the church, so to speak. Let's say in the natural sense. Let me back up. We have a husband and wife. Let's say the wife leaves the husband for some other man. How do you think God feels when the church leaves him for some other man? And vice versa. When a man leaves his wife for some other woman. How do you think the woman feels? How would you as the church. The bride of Christ. How would you feel if Jesus left you hanging for some other bride? What therefore God hath joined together. Let not man put asunder. Let's make it indelibly, clearly, sure this morning. When God joins together hearts and hands that is together for life. We do not believe in divorce and remarriage. No. The disciples had this question. They come to him again about the same matter. Uh, What about this, Jesus? Jesus, what about this? And Jesus makes it very clear: Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. And living in the state of adultery is sin. It's sin. <clears throat> and there will be no sin in heaven. That's the all, only thing I can conclude. Is that if a person is living in a state of adultery, he will not enter the glory gates of heaven. That's strong terminology, especially in the world that we say that we see. But I'm gonna be like the Apostle Paul of old. I'm gonna you may take me out and slay me, but I'm gonna get right back up and I'm gonna come right back in here and I'm gonna teach this same thing again. I'm saying divorce or remarriage is wrong, is sin. And if we are living in that kind of a state, we will not enter the glory gates of heaven. No hope. No. We must confess from that sin. We must separate ourselves. We must come, uh, we must uh, rid ourselves of that state of adultery. Is there forgiveness from God in the case of divorce and remarriage? Absolutely there is. Absolutely. God will not turn away a seeking heart.